Hello and welcome to Truth and Journalism, a radio broadcast dedicated to applying the Word of God to current events. Well, today on Truth and Journalism, we're going to talk about evil. And by way of a heads up, if you have small children, it is best that they do not listen to this episode. And our article today is an open letter sent by members of Congress. Dear Mayor Bowser and Chief Conti, as members of Congress, we have an obligation to conduct oversight over the District of Columbia to ensure D.C. upholds laws enacted by Congress, particularly those enacted to protect and uphold the sanctity of human life. Last week, D.C. Metropolitan Police recovered the remains of five preborn children, apparently from the Washington Surgic Clinic in Washington, D.C., a facility operated by the late-term abortionist Dr. Cesare Santangelo. Instead of ensuring that the horrific deaths of these children were properly investigated, Metropolitan Police made the assumption that each child died as a result of a legal abortion. It is our understanding that the Metropolitan Police made this assumption without conducting any medical evaluations. We also understand from press reports that the D.C. medical examiner does not plan to perform autopsies on the children. This is completely unacceptable. While other horrific methods of abortion unfortunately remain legal for the time being, killing a child through a partial birth abortion is a crime under federal law. Under the Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act of 2003, a partial birth abortion occurs when a physician partially delivers a living child for the purpose of performing an overt act that intentionally takes the life of the child. The U.S. Supreme Court upheld the federal ban on partial birth abortions in Gonzalez v. Carhart in 2007. Additionally, Congress passed the Born Alive Infants Protection Act to provide equal protections for children who were born alive during an abortion. If the bodies of other babies who were not aborted were recovered in a similar fashion, it would be hard to imagine the Metropolitan Police declining to conduct a thorough investigation into the death of each child. Based upon evidence collected at the time of recovery and photos that have been publicly shared, all five of these children appear to have developed well past the point of viability and likely suffered severely painful abortion procedures, though without an autopsy, it is not known how each child died. For example, one baby girl had significant damage to her head with deep lacerations at the back of the neck and may have been the victim of an illegal partial birth abortion. Another baby was found in its amniotic sac and could have been born alive. These five children, like all children, have inherent value and deserved better than abortion. They deserved life. But at a minimum, they deserve to have their deaths investigated to ensure that no D.C. or federal laws were broken. In light of this information, we demand that a thorough investigation is conducted into the death of each child. In order to accomplish such investigations, we request and fully expect the city to conduct autopsies on the children and preserve all collected evidence. Finally, at the conclusion of such examinations, we urge the city to properly and respectfully bury the babies. Please respond to the following questions by close of business on Wednesday, April 6th, 2022. 1. As you are aware, partial birth abortion, as defined in 18 U.S. Code Section 1531, is illegal and punishable by fine, imprisonment, or both. How did the Metropolitan Police reach the conclusion while recovering the remains of each child that all the children died as a result of illegal abortion? 2. In order to ensure that no child was subjected to a partial birth abortion and that no child was born alive and left to die, will you commit to conducting a thorough investigation of the death of each child? 3. As part of such investigation, will you commit to ensuring the preservation of each child's remains for appropriate examination during the investigation? 4. Will you direct the chief medical examiner to perform an autopsy on each child to determine the method and cause of death in accordance with Section 5.1405 of D.C. Code? 
Five, will you direct a subsequent autopsy to be completed by an independent licensed pathologist to confirm the findings of the chief medical examiner? Six, if an autopsy suggests that any of the children were victims of criminal activity, will you immediately refer the evidence to both the Department of Justice and the Attorney General for the District of Columbia for criminal prosecution? Seven, will you commit to properly and respectfully burying each child? Sincerely, and here we have the congressmen's names who were listed. Uh, Lankford, uh, Jim Imhoff, Tom Tillis, Mike Crapo, Jim Risch, Mike Lee, Mike Braun, John Boozman, Roger Marshall, Roger Wicker, Marsha Blackburn, Steve Danes, Josh Hawley, Jerry uh, Moran, Cynthia Loomis, Ben Sass, Ted Cruz, Joni Ernst, and representatives Jim Jordan, Vicki Hartzler, Debbie Lesko, Ralph Norman, and Chris Smith. Uh, this article, uh, this letter was also CC'd to Attorney General Merrick Garland. Sometimes it is hard to put words into feelings. As a pastor, as a theologian, as a husband and father, the reality, the gut-wrenching reality of what is happening in our country is almost too much to bear. It's almost too much to reckon with. The lie, and it's always been a lie, but the lie that Roe versus Wade uh, would protect abortion so that they would be safe, legal, and rare was always a lie. It was a lie from the start, and it was designed to be a lie from the start. First of all, abortion is not safe. Whenever an abortion is successful, at least one human being is murdered. And last I checked, murder is one of the most unsafe things out there. But more than that, abortion was never before and is not now without health risks to the mother. While legal clinical abortions rarely result in the death of the mother, only the murder of the baby, there are many complications, including but not limited to significant mental health issues, as well as extremely high increased rate of breast cancer. So abortion isn't safe and never was. Rare is a lie. It was never intended to be rare, but that's just a lie the baby murder industry fed to a bunch of rubes. And like rubes, people bought it and ate it up like so many dogs returning to their vomit. And if you pay attention, the abortion activists out there are no longer saying safe, legal, and rare. Now they just say safe and legal. Abortion is used as birth control. It was designed to. It was always designed to be birth control. Margaret Sanger, you know, the actual white supremacist and eugenicist and racist, she wanted to control the birth rate of blacks. She didn't want it to be rare. And legal? That's a lie, too. Now you say, but Luke, you handsome genius, it is legal. Sure, it's legal in these United States, according to the godless laws of the states and the godless decrees of the corrupt Supreme Court. But it's not legal in God's eyes. To God, it is an evil that is beyond the pale. I don't care what man's law may say. It's God's law that counts because everyone will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Well, Roe v. Wade has come and now we have a million legal baby murders a year. There's nothing safe, rare, or truly legal about that. And one would think that giving women months and months to legally murder their babies would be enough. But no, there are women who simply can't be bothered to murder their babies before they're in the process of giving birth to them. Now, I'm not a physician. I'm not an expert on abortion procedures, and the thought of becoming an expert in them makes me want to puke and cry and fight somebody all at once. I'm not an expert. However, I do know this. Actual experts are suggesting that the injury sustained by some of these babies is consistent with a partial birth abortion. I'm sorry, that expression was is, is a little too clinical for me to stomach. The fact is that some of these babies were murdered in certain ways shows that the murderer probably murdered them while the babies were in the process of passing through their mother's vagina. One of the little girls had an incision at the base of her skull where her brains were sucked out and then her skull was crushed. Yes, yes, that sounds very safe to me. Because when I think of brains being sucked out and skulls being crushed, my mind immediately rushes to the word safe. Will the D.C. police investigate this? Nah, 
No, they were too busy not showing up to take custody of the murdered babies and then drumming up charges to arrest Lauren Handy, the hero who had possession of these babies. Yes, the D.C. police are just too busy to, you know, do an autopsy on any of the dismembered murdered children that they waited days to come and pick up. No, they needed to arrest Lauren Handy. She's the real villain of the piece. And if you believe that, that Lauren Handy is the person who deserves to be prosecuted, then you deserve to witness the judgment that God uses when he tears this nation down. Friends, in a civilized society, this Cesare Santangelo, this nightmare of a human being who murdered these babies, in a civilized society, a person who does things like this to children would be painfully and publicly executed so that the whole nation could see and learn and be afraid. He's sucking out the brains of living children and crushing their skulls. If he doesn't deserve a brutal public execution, then nobody deserves any punishment at all. And it's not just him. The corrupt politicians and police who provide cover for the baby murder industry, and it is an industry, it is ghoulish, demonic, satanic evil, and it's a business that profits off of murder. All the people who give cover to these people, they deserve to die too. They deserve to be brought up on charges in a public trial and need to be tried for aiding and abetting the paid murder of human babies. And they need to answer why they think they shouldn't be publicly executed for being accomplices to the most horrendous crimes imaginable. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not calling for vigilantism. I am calling for a change in our laws. I am calling for a change in our legal system. It is moral idiocy of the highest order that if a doctor were to brutally murder one of my children and I were to pay him to do it and the police were to refuse to investigate, we would all be on trial. But apparently, if you do it while any part of the baby has not exited the birth canal, it's legal. And, and no problem. Nothing to see here, folks. Oh, yeah, it's just a fetus. That baby whose brains you sucked out and whose skull you crushed, that's not a baby. It's a fetus, see? See, his left big toe hasn't passed the labia yet. Friends, it would be easy for me to just bash unbelievers and the Democrat Party. But, but look at Francis Collins. Oh, yeah, remember him? He's the super-duper Christian who gave us the model we were all supposed to aspire to. He was going to be the faithful Christian presence in government whose mere presence would rub off and Christianize the National Institutes of Health and even the president. Oh, oh we all loved, or, or at least we were told that we should love, Francis Collins because Dr. Collins was a scientist and a devout Christian. Yes, super devout, the most devout, in fact. And so Christianity Today wrote puff pieces about him and how he was super smart and not a political hack and all of us poors and plebs should just shut up, put on our masks, stay out of church and do what Collins said. Rick Warren, Russell Moore, N.T. Wright, all the heavy hitters, they all had lovely interviews with Collins where they took turns agreeing with themselves and slapping each other's backs and congratulating everyone on being so smart and righteous and better than the hayseed rubes and fascist pseudo-Christians who voted for Trump. Yeah, Collins was so wonderful, so wonderful, and his faithful presence was so faithful, so present, that his organization, the National Institutes of Health, was funding research that was grafting the scalps of aborted babies onto the backs of rodents. Let me say that again so the, vul the full gravity of the moral awfulness can hit you. Actually, the full awfulness can't hit you, but some, some of it can. Francis Collins, the most super-duper saint of us all, his department of the government was funding research that literally scalped murdered babies and then were sewing those scalps onto the backs of rodents so that they could grow human skin and hair on these lab mice and rats and do tests on them. If you walked into someone's basement and you saw dead babies with their scalps removed and the scalps sewn onto rats and you killed the guy who was doing it, no jury in the land would 
would convict you, but if you do it at the University of Pittsburgh, the most Jesus-loving of all the Jesus lovers will help fund your research. The ages of the murdered babies used in these horror show experiments was 6 to 42 weeks. 42 weeks. Let me say that last number again. 42 weeks. That's post-term, in case you forgot. Friends, we need a better class of scumbag in this country, and Collins hasn't resigned in disgrace and shame and turned himself into prison since he is an accomplice after the fact of horrific infanticide. Nope, he's defended himself. In public, he's defending his choices. Man, do we need a better class of scumbag. Our medical experts, our political leaders, our police, our scientists, and our religious leaders are all engaged in this demonic Molech worship. And I'm glad this is happening. I'm, I'm not glad that this is happening. I'm not glad that these evil scientists are doing what they're doing because I am against evil. But I am glad that this evil is taking its course and becoming so manifestly evil that everyone can see it. And the putrid smokescreen of lies that we hide behind vanish away like a fart in the wind. I'm glad that these evil scientists are finally so nakedly evil that we have to face it. The mask has been removed, and we see that the angel of light was just a masquerading demon. I'm glad because there's a part of me that's hopeful. There is a part of me, not a very big part, but there is a part of me that believes. Maybe I don't even believe. Maybe I just hope. There's a part of me that hopes that the tiny fraction of suffering and punishment that this country deserves, rightly deserves, might be waking us up to our sin. It is my hope, my prayer, that us receiving just this sliver of justice that we deserve might be waking us up to the indescribable, crushing gravity and weight of our sinfulness and our evil. And maybe, just maybe, some people might be led into repentance when we countenance the horrific evil, the grotesque wickedness of our country. I am hoping that as God punishes us for the sin that reaches to heaven, that we will despise ourselves and repent in sackcloth and ashes. That is what we need to do. When we look at this country, when we look at our leaders, when we look at what happens in this nation, we need to repent we need to despise ourselves and repent in sackcloth and ashes. We need days, months, years, decades of humiliation for our sin. I pray that we will repent. That's my prayer. My prayer is that this nation will repent. We will turn from our evil and learn to do good. I pray that all of the evil, all of the bad that is befalling us will, will cause us to turn to Christ and be saved. And I pray for you. I pray that you, too, will join me. Pray for our nation. Pray for repentance. Pray that we will turn from wickedness. Turn to Christ and seek forgiveness. I hope and pray we will. And I hope you'll join us again next week for another exciting episode of Truth and Journalism. Thank you. And may God bless your day to his glory.